Good morning. Aren't you glad you came this morning? What a blessing. Hey, good to have you with us this morning. If you are a guest of ours, you are our honored guest. And we're really glad that you chose to, to be with us this morning as we worship God together. Uh, we are continuing this sermon series. I have someone in mind, and the motivation behind this series is for us to think of some specific people, people that we know, people that we can pray for, people that we can reach out to. This morning, I want you to think about someone that you can forgive. I have someone in mind that I need to forgive. I hope it's not a tough one. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Ephesians 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. I want to build this lesson this morning on the truth that Paul shares, the truth that we pretty often try to ignore or at least rationalize away, and that is, as Christians, we've got to take responsibility for how we respond to people who hurt us. It's up to us to be proactive. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness. If you've got some bitterness in your life, you need to get rid of that. Be kind, compassionate, forgiving one another. When we find ourselves in a relationship that's gone a little bit sideways, Paul says it's up to us to make a move to change that, to take the initiative. And you might be thinking, okay, but Paul doesn't know my story. Guess what? Paul doesn't want to know your story. He doesn't need to know your story. Paul's not interested in your story. He's not interested in whether or not you have a good reason to be upset with someone. And by the way, Paul has some credibility in this matter. He writes this statement from prison, and nothing about his imprisonment was fair or just. But Paul is saying that you, like me, Paul, you might not be responsible for what someone did to you, but you, like me, are completely responsible for how you respond to that hurt. Paul says, yeah, let it hurt, but let it go. We all know how hard that is to do. Jesus never said to anyone, follow me and you'll never be hurt again. In fact, he kind of said the opposite. In fact, when he was teaching us how to pray, remember he said, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus says very clearly, in the kingdom, you are going to have debtors. You are going to have people who owe you something. What are you going to do about it? I'm sure you've all heard the story about the elderly woman who their, her children gave her a, a pet parrot to try to keep her company in her older age. And she was horrified to find out that the parrot, all he did was yell at her, say terribly mean things to this woman. And she got to a point where she just couldn't take it anymore. And she put him in the freezer. And she heard him flapping around and talking and screaming. And then a little bit later, she didn't hear a sound. 
She listens carefully, nothing. So she slowly opens the freezer door and the parent says, I owe you an apology. <laughs> I'm sorry that I've been saying such mean things about you. Will you forgive me? And as she's pulling him out, he says, and by the way, can I ask, what did the chicken say? It's <laughs> really old, I know. We can all think of someone who owes us something. We all know someone today who owes you an apology. Or maybe you're owed an explanation. Or maybe you're owed a chance. Or another chance. Or maybe you're owed some respect this morning. Maybe you're owed the truth for a change. Somebody owes you something. What Jesus says to all of us in the kingdom is, we have debtors. We need to forgive the person who owes us something. And we say, well, that doesn't sound very fair. And you know what? It, it's not. And it didn't sound very fair when Jesus said it the first time either. In fact, Peter kind of questions him on this thing. You know, you know how far am I going to go with this, Lord? Like seven times? No, how, how much forgiveness is it going to take? Jesus says, let me tell you a story. A story about forgiveness. It's in Matthew chapter 18. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began, to settle, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he, his wife, and his children, and all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. This is a really familiar story to us. We all know this story. We know what happens next. We know how the story ends. Here's this man who owes this incredible amount of money, a, a, an amount that he could never repay in a hundred lifetimes. And he begs the master for more time. He begs the master for mercy. And in, in an incredible uh, statement of mercy, this master forgives the entire debt. And then this fellow goes out and finds someone that owes him just a little bit of money. And he demands that he's paid. And that man says the same thing. I need more time. I need a little bit of mercy. But he gets none of that. And Jesus says that the master found out what happened. And the master calls the first guy back in. And he kind of chews him out. And he throws him in prison forever. We know that story. Two things about that story have always sort of fascinated me. First, word of unforgiveness always gets back to the master. The master always knows how we treat others. And word of forgiveness is always going to make its way back to the master. And the second thing that I've always found fascinating about this story is the master wasn't really angry about the immense debt this guy owed. 
He was angry about the complete lack of mercy that he exhibited. This unmerciful servant in Jesus' story thought it was his right to be paid back. Now, why do you forgive the person that you're thinking about this morning? Because the one that we're worshiping this morning forgave you. And your debt was a lot bigger than anything someone else might owe you. But we get to a point where we feel justified. In fact, we get to a point where we feel kind of obligated to demand payment for some, something that someone owes us. In that story that we just looked at, Jesus sums up the real problem in just three words. This man's been, been forgiven of this gigantic debt. Then he goes out and finds someone who owes him just a little bit. And this man pleads more time, a little bit of mercy. Matthew 18, 30. He was unwilling. Jesus says he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he was owed. He was unwilling. I told you on January 1st that this year we wanted to make better choices than we made in 2022. This man in Jesus' story, he makes a choice. And his choice was not to forgive. And in this story, Jesus is obviously trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach us something about life in the kingdom. Jesus says, in my kingdom, we forgive our debtors. This man in the story says, not in mine. In my kingdom, I don't forgive. In my kingdom, I don't forget. Jesus makes it clear. In the kingdom, we're going to have to make a choice. Are you willing to forgive? Even if the person doesn't deserve it. Especially if the person doesn't deserve it. Are you willing to forgive that person? Because in effect, what we're saying when we're unwilling to forgive someone who's wronged us, when we're unwilling to forgive someone, what we're saying is we don't really want things to be on earth like they are in heaven. It's what we pray, but that's not how we act. So we rationalize that we can somehow treat people in ways that we don't want or we don't expect God to ever treat us. I mean, let's face it, we don't want to ever stand before God in judgment and have God say, I forgave most of your debts. But you remember that one thing you did. You remember that one time that really got under my skin. And I can't let it go. I, I tried, but I can't. It, it's still on the books. We don't want to ever hear God say that to us, right? We don't ever want to hear God tell us, you still owe me. But guess what? God didn't want to hear that from us either. God expects to those of us that so much has been given to and so much has been forgiven of, He expects our attitude to be different. He expects our hearts to be different. In fact, God gets emotional about this. Remember in Jesus' story, the master got angry. I started with Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. 
brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let me show you the verse right before that in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 30 says this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When we fail to forgive, when you choose to keep hold of bitterness, rage, anger, every form of malice, when you keep hold of that as your right, when you're convinced that you are owed something, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness is a choice. And it's not that we can't forgive. It's just that we choose not to forgive. And I'm convinced that if we ever want the kingdom to come into our lives, we're going to have to let go of some things in our lives. And it doesn't sound fair, does it? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, as some names start to come to mind of people that have hurt you, people that you need to forgive... Um, there are people in your life who don't deserve to be forgiven. There are people in your life who, who haven't asked to be forgiven. But as members of the kingdom, we don't forgive someone because they deserve it. We forgive someone because we didn't deserve it. Because God forgave us. You know, there's nothing more unfair than what God did for us. So Paul writes in Colossians 3, you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. That sounds like a command, doesn't it? You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. I want you to do that for me. I want you to make allowance for my faults. Paul says... You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Paul says, don't get too hung up on whether that person that you have in mind deserves forgiveness. In fact, don't get hung up on even if they want forgiveness. It's not about that person's heart. It's about your heart. Now, I want to go ahead and say this before you all try to run me down in the foyer. <laughs> We're talking about forgiveness, not reconciliation. Reconciliation is a two-way street. If we're going to be reconciled to each other, you're going to have to do something, I'm going to have to do something. That's reconciliation. I'm talking about this morning forgiveness. And that's on me. Forgiveness is on me. I can forgive you whether you deserve it or not. And I can forgive you whether you ask for it or not. I can forgive you whether you want me to forgive you or not. In fact, I can forgive you even if you're not still alive. And some of you need to forgive some people who still are not alive. Because forgiveness is a choice. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It is a choice rooted in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And rooted in the reality of what Jesus did for us. As followers of Jesus, we are called to show the world a better way. To be willing to forgive outlandishly, radically, unfairly. To be willing to forgive like Jesus. 
is to announce to the world whose kingdom it is that we belong to. And I'm going to go ahead and um, just tell you something you already know. None of this that I'm talking about, none of this that we're thinking about this morning makes any kind of sense apart from the cross. Take the cross out of the equation and none of this makes sense. We're called to focus on what Jesus did for us, not what someone else did to us. Now, that doesn't mean that you stay in an abusive relationship. That doesn't mean that you remain in an unsafe situation. That doesn't mean that we allow evil to continue. It does mean that we don't any longer need to be debt collectors. It's not our job. In his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, Philip Yancey wrote this. It's pretty good. At last I understood. In the final analysis, forgiveness is an act of faith. By forgiving another, I'm trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am. By forgiving, I release my own right to get even and leave all issues of fairness for God to work out. I leave in God's hands the scales that must balance justice and mercy. By forgiving, I release my own right to get even and leave all issues of fairness for God to work out. And just in case you might have missed it, reading your Bible one day, um, let me remind you what Jesus himself says about forgiving others. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I hope that is underlined in your Bible with a star beside it. Matthew chapter 6. I hope you've read that before. No, contrary to popular belief, there's not a whole lot of if-then statements in the Bible. There really aren't. But this is one of them. If you forgive those who sin against you, then your heavenly Father will forgive, your sin, forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus says that your forgiveness, to a very large part, is contingent on your forgiving. And Jesus knows a thing or two about forgiveness, doesn't he? And he knows a thing or two about forgiving people who don't deserve forgiveness. A month ago, last Christmas, I received a very special gift. It was from Howard and Robin Johnson. Stopped by my house a few days before Christmas, handed me a wrapped present, said, here, put this under your tree. Open it on Christmas morning. This was what Howard and Robin gave me. I don't know if you can tell from the picture, it's a piece of wood that is actually, that's a relief carved. That's a, it's a wood carving um, of Jesus in the cross. And what makes it especially meaningful to me is Howard made that and gave it to me. And that carving right now is hanging above my desk in my office. And as I sat working on, on this lesson, thinking about forgiveness, I kept looking at that carving of Jesus on the cross. Jesus is arrested late at night. There's an angry mob. 
his followers, men that he'd poured three years of his life into. One had betrayed him, one was going to deny knowing him, the rest have all abandoned him. He was judged by the religious leaders who all decided that he was guilty of blasphemy, that he needed to die. They all denied his divinity. He was handed over to Pilate. Pilate didn't want anything to do with this guy. He washed his hands the whole thing. He listened to a crowd shout, crucify him, crucify him, over and over and over again. The Roman soldiers mocked him. They blindfolded him, hit him in the face, put a crown of thorns on his head. He was forced to carry his own cross as far as he could. Then he was stretched out on that cross and soldiers nailed spikes into his hands, into his feet. He was lifted up on a cross. The crowd below cheered. They jeered. Luke records the crucifixion this way. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. Finally, they came to a place called the Skull. All three were crucified there. Jesus on the center cross and the two criminals on either side. And then Luke tells us that as Jesus hung on that cross, while people were mocking him, while the soldiers were gambling for his clothes, while one of those criminals was criticizing him, while he hung there, bleeding, struggling for each breath, dying, Luke tells us a few things that he said. And here's the first thing that Luke records Jesus saying from the cross. Father, forgive these people because they don't know what they're doing. The first thing Luke records Jesus saying while he died, Father, forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. And that statement, especially the second part of that statement, has always troubled me a little bit. They don't know what they're doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. Those soldiers, they knew what they were doing. They were putting to death someone that they were told was a criminal. Those Jewish leaders, they knew what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were silencing a troublemaker. Those crowds who demanded his death, they knew what they were doing. They were putting Jesus to death. Caiaphas, Annas, Pilate, Judas, Peter. They all knew exactly what they were doing when they did it. So what did Jesus mean when he said, they don't know what they're doing? Later on, the Apostle Paul is going to give us a little bit of insight when he writes to the church in Corinth. He's talking about the wisdom of God, but he says this, none of the rulers of this age understood it. God's wisdom, God's sovereignty, God's plan. None of the rulers of, the, of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Jesus was exactly right when he said, they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand who they're doing it to. They don't know the ramifications of what's happening here today. They don't know the seriousness of what's being done. They don't know God's plan. They don't know God's sovereignty. 
They certainly didn't understand the heart of Jesus. The purpose of his actions or the power of his words. So I go back to Ephesians 4. Get rid of all this rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This morning, you should have someone in mind. Someone that you need to forgive. You need to do that. You need to do that today. And what you'll find is when you're the one doing the forgiving, you're actually the heart that's being liberated. You're the one who's being set free. And you say, no, no, I can't. I just can't. can't get over it. I can't get past it. Yeah, you can. You can start over. But to start over, you're going to have to stand under the cross. You know, Jesus said some odd things while he was here. He said some, some hard things while he was here. This is one of the hard ones. You need to forgive the person who hurt you. It might not seem fair, but I promise you it's right. Because Jesus said it, and because Jesus did it. He forgave you. And we don't want to be guilty of burning the very bridge that we also desperately need to cross. So this morning, you have someone in mind. Someone who hurt you. Someone who's been unkind. Unfair. Unloving. I will challenge you this morning. You stand at the foot of the cross. You look, look up into the eyes of Jesus. And you tell me that you can't forgive that person. Let's pray. Father, we can all think of someone in our lives that we have hard feelings toward. And those hard feelings may very well be legitimate, but that's not the point. We can all think of a person who owes us. Father, as I pause... Would you allow your spirit to prompt each one of us as to what to do with that person that we have in mind? Oh God, give us the grace and the courage to actually live the gospel, not just talk about it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's go ahead and be standing. We'll sing.